0: It's not ideal that in 2020 a black man has to go on television and defend himself for having gotten a job. But that's exactly what we saw Mika Richards have to do yesterday. He had to address the abuse he has received in recent weeks since taking a job as Sky as a TV analyst. Accusations have been made that he's there purely to make up numbers, you know, as a, a token figure. And that's just unacceptable. It's ignorant, it's small-minded, and it has no place in today's so- society. Is Mika Richards the best pundit in the world? No. No, he's not. But he is an engaging personality. He is fun to watch. And when he laughs, he makes you want to laugh. He will get better as a pundit. He's nowhere near the worst. He's just okay. And that's what he is. He's just okay as a pundit. But he's better than many, many others who are white and never get questioned. Mika Richards could well go on to become a very good pundit. He seems to have an aptitude for it. There's a noticeable improvement in how he is now to how he, is, how he was when he first appeared. He clearly embraces the modern side of football as well. He clearly wants to get better. This is something he wants to succeed at. And he should not have to go on national television and defend himself because of the color of his skin. And if you want him to do that, please stop listening to this podcast and crawl back under your rock. Uh, Last night in the Premier League, we had Aston Villa beating Sheffield United 1-0 in what was a, a relatively close game. Uh, United lost John Egan quite early on, a silly foul, but a little bit controversial because Ollie Watkins was holding him as well. It could have gone either way in truth, but I don't really have any argument with the red card. I think it's it's a fine decision by the referee. If he had chosen not to and given a free out, I don't know that it would have had a problem that way either. Uh, It was just one of those weird situations. I thought Villa had moments where they looked lively. They had moments where they looked a little bit inventive. I thought Jack Grealish looked like he was well up for it. I thought Ollie Watkins looked like a player who's going to be very, very comfortable at this level. I thought he caused Villa a lot of problems with his movement, his pace, his work rate. And I really liked some of what I saw from Villa in terms of their shape. I liked how the two fullbacks pushed forward. I liked how controlling Douglas Luiz was. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. I liked how he controlled the game. I liked the pairing of Kanza and Mings. I think Konza is going to be a really good defender. I think he'll be an England international by this time next year. They needed their new goalkeeper to make a big save, but that's what they bought him for. That's why they paid $20 million for Emi Martinez is to make big saves when they need them. They have Bertrand Traore to come into this team. Uh, You'd imagine instead of Trezeguet and give them a a Traore-Watkins-Grealish front three. I think they need one more in midfield. If I look at their team objectively, based on what happened last night, based on who played last night, I would want one more in midfield. Someone who'll give me a little bit more creativity... And a little bit more in terms of goals. I've said before, I think Ross Barkley would be a really nice fit there. I think he'd ideally link well with the likes of Louise, the likes of Traore, the likes of Grealish. Doesn't have to be the main player. Doesn't have to have the pressure. Can just be a complementary piece. And I think he'd be a good one. On the flip side, I think it's well known that Sheffield United need to get goals in the door. Um I like McGoldrick, but he's not going to be a big goal scorer at this level. Ollie Burke, I thought, showed some signs last night that he could be uh, a good player for them. But on other occasions, he looked like he was a little bit lost, a little bit out of his depth. Now, credit to Sheffield United. They did work very, very hard last night. When they went down to 10 men, they could easily have folded, but Chris Wilder wouldn't have allowed it. They worked really, really hard. They kept themselves in the game. As I said, they missed a penalty. And it is tough. I mean, 78 minutes with 10 men is is very, very impressive. But they have things they need to address. They really do. I think they need to bring in one more body in midfield. I've been saying that all along. The one I wanted for them, Baptiste-Santa Maria, is gone. But they need one in midfield and they need one up front. And I think Ethan Ampadu needs to be getting closer to uh, coming into the team as well because... I just I I worry that Chris Chris Basham might do what's someone like a Stefan Ancho dude, where he's he's good, he's good, he's good, and then he falls off a cliff, and there's no real advanced warning. He's thirty-two now. Last night I was not impressed by him. I thought he was maybe the weakest player on the pitch. But um look, it's early. I don't think Sheffield United will have any trouble this season. I think they'll be more than comfortable and stay up. I think Villa are going to surprise some people. I know a lot of people have them in for a relegation battle. I don't think so. I think they'll be, you know, they might not be very clear of it, but I think they'll be clear of it. I think they'll be comfortable. Um, All signs are are good for Villa early, you know. Watkins, comfortable at Premier League level. Cash, comfortable at Premier League level. Martinez off to, you know, a great start on his debut. Bertrand Traore is a very good player. I think he's going to be more than comfortable when he comes back into the Premier League. He's obviously a former Chelsea player. So, I think Villa are in good shape. One more in midfield, and I think they're probably good to go then for this year. Um, Two good managers last night. I have to say, I thought the tactical side of things was quite good. Uh, After that, then, we had Wolves against Manchester City. Now, Maybe it's just me. Maybe it is just me. But. Wolves have gotten worse this summer. And I know they're close to bringing in Samedo. From Barcelona to replace Doherty. And Samedo's a better footballer than Doherty. And he's a better fullback than Doherty. But I don't think he's a better wingback than Doherty. Despite his pace, he's not. He's not as good as Doherty is at being that focal point of an attack, which Doherty has been at times for them. Um, I think it's a little bit of a downgrade in terms of how Wolves play. Now, if they played a flat back four, he'd be an upgrade. But in that, in that back three system, as with wingbacks, I think he's a downgrade. And Fabio Silva, unquestionably, is a downgrade on Diogo Jota at this point. Um, I really like Fabio Silva's potential. Um, I, I love Keanu. However, I, I really do. I think he's he's a great signing for them long term. But I don't think they've addressed their needs. Like for me, I look at all three centre backs who played last night, and I wouldn't be keen on any of them individually. I think they're all fine in a back three because the back three can hide their weaknesses, but would you trust any of them to play in a back four? I certainly wouldn't. Connor Cody just looked lost last night. He's, he's one who's, he's probably, the, of the three, he's the one who would struggle the most in a back four. No pace. Not a particularly good defender, a, a poor defender 1v1. He's very good in the ball. He's a good leader, a good organiser. His reading of the game is good. His positioning is good. But that's in a back three. I think he'd struggle massively in a back four. And look, I know they won't play a back four under this manager, but this manager may not be here forever. And to me, I would have been looking to start upgrading. Now, I assume Kian Haver is coming in to long-term be a fit at right-side centre-back instead of willy-bolly. But I still think they should have been looking to upgrade um, with regards to the left-side position as well. I didn't like Mark as a as a left-wing back, I have to say. I thought he was very poor. I think he's best suited to playing in the back three, but for whatever reason, maybe it's injuries. Um, Ruben Venegra hasn't been trusted with the left-wing back spot yet. Vinegra should be starting there Marcal Marcal should be starting at left wing back or sorry left centre back and then you you go from there Um, Wolves I thought let themselves down a little bit last night very passive took them an awful long time to get into the game when they finally did get into the game they cut City's defence apart Um, they scored one they should have scored another if Pedence hadn't tried to be you know incredibly fancy, I think he, he could have scored quite comfortably against Ederson, and they could have gotten themselves a draw, but for the first 45 minutes I thought they were dreadful um, City on the other hand I thought Kevin De Bruyne was, was just magnificent I thought he was absolutely outstanding and when he plays like that, there's very few players in the world that are on his level His creative passing, his drive from midfield, his willingness to put his foot in and win the ball back is a very underrated part of his game. Last night, he he had the goal, obviously. He had four shots on target, one assist, six chances created, six crosses and five tackles. And uh, he he was just the best player on the pitch by a country mile. Nobody even came close to him. Uh, When he's like that, he's pretty much unstoppable. And you have to just kind of hope you can stop the rest. Phil Foden, I thought, played very well as well. Got himself a goal, but his movement, his passing, his interplay, the intelligence that he plays with for such a young player is, is what is really striking about him. I thought it was great to see Guardiola have faith in him. Uh, we saw Ollie on Saturday drop Mason Greenwood. Um, and I was a little bit concerned that Foden might get the same treatment, but you know Pep is just a, a vastly superior manager, a vastly superior man-manager. Put the kid in from the start, got the reward. Really big payback from him. Uh, I wouldn't be overly optimistic about City's defence. I thought it looked, I'll say ropey, to be polite. Um, it kind of resembled Swiss cheese, where it was fine in patches. And then had big holes in other places. I thought if I thought if Matt Doherty had been in that Wolves team last night, hooking crosses in, um, Jimenez would have had a great amount of fun against that centre back pairing. Now I know City are trying to address that, and they do have America Laporte to come back in, so that's one of the best centre backs in the league. That's great. They're seemingly they've parked that strange pursuit of Koulibaly and are going for Jules Koundé from Sevilla um, he is an exceptional young defender and he would be a great fit next to Laporte, now he's not the very best in the air but he reads the game brilliantly he's very quick, he's a great 1v1 defender, I think he'd be a much better fit than Koulibaly who's also not particularly good in the air given his size um, if, if Cityland Jules Kounde, that's that's going to be a big signing for them. There's definitely a need at left back though. Mendy's he has all the physical tools, he has all the attributes you'd want, but he just he doesn't seem to have anything resembling concentration. He just spaces out completely. I thought what City did last night that was really good was they pushed the wing backs way back, it's particularly Adama Traore. And Mendy is one of the few that physically can cope with Traore. He has the pace, he has the strength, has the size. Now, the unfortunate thing for him last night is that when he was, he was trying so hard to push up on Triore, the Pedence was running in behind him at times, and taking advantage of the space he left there. So it's something they'll need to work on. I think City need two defenders, um, and I'd still I'd still like to see them sign one more in on attack. If I'm being honest, I th- still think a real replacement for Sani is what's needed, just to be able to spread the play a little bit more. Um, Raheem Sterling did, does a good job on the left But I think he's better on the right And if I was being honest Someone like Chuck Weasley from Villarreal Would be a terrifying prospect In that City team Um, All in all A good start for City Great to have them back in action uh, Not such a good start for Wolves Definitely not a good start the season for Sheffield United But Villa, three points on the board Nice and early, which is good to see Right Um Big story that came out yesterday, uh, I saw it on the BBC, but apologies if somebody else broke it first, is that Roman Abramovich held secret investments in footballers not owned by his club, an investigation have, has discovered. Now, these included players that played against his Chelsea team in the Champions League and potentially in the Premier League. He held the rights in the players through a company based in the British Virgin Islands. A spokesman for Mr. Bramovich stressed no rules or regulations were broken, but former Football Association chairman Lloyd Treisman has questions, questioned whether it was proper for the owner of a football club to have an interest in players. Now, I don't know if any rules or regulations were broken, but I take absolutely no stock in the words from his spokeswoman because if there were no rules and regulations been broken and everything was fine and above board why did he try to hide it so much because it was known that this company um that he was involved with had these interests in these players a couple of years ago um but yet he kept his name hidden Leaston Holdings is the name of the company. It's one of the companies that he's alleged to be heavily involved in. Uh, Der Spiegel, who broke the story, obviously, of Manchester City's financial shenanigans, are one of the co- the reporting groups involved in, in bringing this to light. Now, I'm not going to pass judgment on Roman, largely because I'm terrified the man might turn up my door or send people to turn up my door, <laughs> but... What I will say is, I don't know if he's allowed to do this, but it certainly doesn't seem like he should be allowed to do this. It's bad enough when the the likes of Jorge Mendes has these stakes and players and is then shuttling them around and making five and six million off transfers that benefit him in multiple ways. Like, For example, when he brings Semedo to um, Wolves, he will get a fee from Barcelona and from Wolves so he's winning on both sides when he sells a player from Porto who he, he may already have an interest in to the Premier League Wolves he gets a fee from Porto he gets a free fee from Wolves and he gets to share of the transfer fee because he owns part of the player's rights so i don't think that's right so i really don't think it can be right that an owner of a of a Premier League club or any club for that matter should be allowed to own players in any league, because chances are you're going to play against them at some point. And allegedly, in a Champions League match in 2014, there's a Peruvian winger, Andre Carrillo, who played against Chelsea. There's got to be a conflict of interest there, when 12 of the players on the pitch, um, you're the, you know, you have a financial interest in. It's something that needs to be investigated. I'm not calling for any punishment or anything like that. I, I don't know the legality of it. I just, It just doesn't seem like it should be something that can be allowed to go on. Because if it is, then what's to stop Man City just starting to hoover up? Like, I use them because they have, you know, uncountable wealth behind them. Paris Saint-Germain could do it as well. What's to stop them just going and buying stakes and... All these players at clubs that maybe have some financial worries say oh, no, we'll we'll sort your financial worries, but we want forty percent to him and fifty percent to him and thirty percent to him and so on and so forth. Uh, I think it's something that needs to be looked into. Um, something else that needs to be looked into. Are Burnley trying to make Sean Dyche quit? Um, I don't say that in you know in seriousness, but I do wonder like what their plan for him is. That man has gotten them promoted twice. He has kept them in the Premier League. He has gotten two top 10 finishes. He brought them into Europe. And his reward for last season's top 10 finish thus far has been no signings. They have a paper-thin squad. They're facing a growing injury list. And um, the two latest names linked are Dale Stevens. And Craig Dawson. Now, this is not to disparage those two players by any means, because they're both fine professionals, both hardworking individuals. But Dale Stevens is 31 years of age and in truth has looked a little bit out of his depth since getting promoted with Brighton. He's w- way out of the rotation now at Brighton in terms of the midfield spots. Um, I wouldn't expect that he would play more than a handful of games should he stay there this season. I think he was very much one of Chris Hewton's, um preferred players last year. Played a, a, a fair bit, but you know, sub-appearances, injuries, things like that caused that more than anything else. I wouldn't be I wouldn't say that he is what Burnley needs. Yes, he's a body in midfield and that and that's fine they could do with a body in midfield. But I would have said that the the move for them would be to go and get someone, you know, 19 20 that they can bring in and develop and have as a long-term fix when the likes of Jack Cork um and Westwood are, are moving on. They've got Brownhill, someone to pair with him for the you know the next iteration of centre midfield pairing. The other one being linked is Craig Dawson. Again, he's a fine player, but he didn't look good last season in a Watford team that were hopeless. Um he didn't look good the year before in a average championship team at West Brom. And he didn't look good the year before in the West Brom team that got relegated. I like Craig Dawson. I think he's a solid player, but I don't think he's the answer for Burnley. I think this is there's these are just patches. These are putting band-aids on a problem. And Burnley's problem is that there's no long term vision at the club. It's everything seems to be very much in the short term vein. You look at Tarkovsky, there's a lot of rumors that West Ham. Obviously, you're trying to buy him that Leicester are interested, that Manchester United might be interested. There's rumours of Nick Pope and Chelsea were interested, and a couple of other clubs. Dwight McNeil is going to have clubs that are interested. You can say, yeah, Burnley need to sell players to stay alive and whatever else, but they have to replace them as well. And Burnley make profit every year, so they don't like, they're not under any. Pressure to sell, but if they sold Tarkovsky tomorrow, and let's say they get forty million from, let's say West Ham just say right here's forty million, and they offer Tarkovsky a big contract and he agrees to go there. I don't think he would, but let's just say he does hypothetically. How much of that forty million is Sean Dyche going to get to reinvest? Certainly not all of it, because with all of it he could turn around and get three or four really good players. To bring in. And make them an even better team. I would say he'll get less than half. Less than half. And I just think it's wrong. That a manager of his quality. Has been forced to work. Um, in suboptimal conditions. At what is a well run club. With no financial trouble. I'd understand that if they had. You know spiraling debts or whatever. But. Burnley don't, and he's one of the major reasons for that. Uh, Next story that caught my eye. Bobby Duncan, former Manchester City and Liverpool trainee, cousin of Steven Gerrard, is on his way back to England after a failed spell at Fulham. And I just think people are showing themselves up on social media because this is a young kid. I think he's 19 now. And yes, he's made mistakes. You know, he he got a little bit too big for his boots. Uh, decided he was deserving of first-team football at, at Liverpool. Um, a club that have Salah, Firmino, and Mane. And he was about 17 at the time. And when he was told he wasn't ready for first team football, he threw the toys and had his agent set up a move for him or the agent pushed for the move one way or another. And he went to Fiorentina who also had better strikers than him because he's a kid and it hasn't worked for him and he's been unhappy and he wants to come back to the UK and it looks like he's going to Derby. Um, But I've seen a lot of people say that it serves him right. And, you know, throwing away his career and all this kind of stuff. He's a kid. He's a kid. He made mistakes. Every kid makes mistakes. I don't understand why we would want to see him fail. I don't understand why everybody wouldn't be hoping that he can make a go of it, and have success at Derby. Unless you're a Forrest fan, then you don't want anyone at Derby to have success. But I don't understand why people wouldn't want to see Bobby Duncan do well. Like, unless you personally know him and have grown to dislike him, you've got no reason to. And the people on social media, like I think his agent's a bit of a creep. Um, I thought the way he behaved around the transfer to Fiorentina was a disgrace, an absolute disgrace. But I, I, I never had an, any issue with how Bobby Duncan handled himself. Yeah, I think he's a little, he got a little bit too big for his boots and hopefully now he's been humbled a little bit and he'll get back to doing what he does best, which is putting the ball in the net. He's a fantastically talented player. His goal record at underage level is, is incredible. But I, I, I don't get this. Where people want to see young players fail This begrudger Attitude that people take Don't see anyone else do well It's very very strange Uh, We'll wrap up with some Of the latest gossip Um, Le Kip Are reporting that Liverpool And Real Madrid will both try to sign France striker Kylian Mbappe from Paris Saint-Germain Next summer Uh, I don't know how Liverpool could afford to do it without, you know, selling Mane and Salah. But it is what it is. Um, Real Madrid have no interest in signing England midfielder Dele Alli from Tottenham Hotspur. That is groundbreaking news. This was a good story actually yesterday. So Sky Sports reported, I say reported, but, you know, clickbait. Uh, that Crystal Palace had made a £25 million pound offer, uh, £19 million up front and £6 million in add-ons for Rian Brewster um, this came off uh, information from the likes of James Pearce and a few others that there was talks ongoing and Sky jumped the gun get in there first Sky sources and all that kind of jargon um, and said there'd been a bid, at which point The chairman of Crystal Palace took to Twitter and said, no, no, we haven't. There's been no bid, no formal bid, no informal bid. Take this down, blah, blah, blah. So then Sky went and changed the story uh, to say that he had taken the social media to deny that this bid had been made. He didn't. He just didn't take the social media to deny. He took the social media to tell you to stop telling lies about his club that's what he did and like when you go on sky's website it is just thronged with ads it is literally just clickbait and they've got that spoofers paradise that is their transfer show that they do and it's almost certainly that information has come from one of those two it just it's a shambles sky should just should stop if you hear someone say sky sources or you read it somewhere please know it's literally twitter literally it's they've got lowly paid interns trawling twitter looking for this information they pass it on then to the chief spoofers who sit there looking important and uh it gets you know aggregated into nonsense articles spoofers um Porto left back Alex Telles is hopeful of sealing a move to Manchester United, but the clubs are yet to agree a fee. That's from the Guardian. Um I, I don't put much stock in that. To be honest, he's been linked with pretty much everybody, um, and has been keen to secure a move to anybody. So I it seems to me like it might just be the agent using United's name, which is common practice. I mean United are one of the biggest clubs in the world, and agents will use their uh will use their name to try and ramp up interest. I did like seeing Luke Shaw come out and say that United need signings considering one of the areas that they're alleged to be looking for a signing is a left back. It seems Turkeys do vote for Christmas after all. Um, The Red Devils are interested in RB Leipzig and France defender David Meccano. Leipzig have already said he's not going anywhere this year so that is that. Uh, former Chelsea striker Alvaro Morata is going to Juventus on loan with an obligation to buy from Atletico Madrid. Former Liverpool striker Luis Suarez is going from Barcelona to Atletico Madrid to replace him. Spartak Moscow want Tottenham and Ivory Coast right back Serge Aurier. I don't know that he should go to Moscow. He's too, I think he's too good to go and play in Russia, if I'm being honest. And it's nothing against the Russian league. I, just, I like Serge Aurier. I think he should go back to France or go to Spain or somewhere. Playing in top five league, don't don't step down that level. Uh, Torino have cooled their interest in Arsenal and Uruguay midfielder Lucas Torreira, but Atletico Madrid are keen on the twenty four four year old. He is very much a Diego Simeone player, and if Arsenal could find a way to use him as half of the Thomas Partey buyout, which I think is fifty million, that would be a, a good deal probably for all parties. Uh, Fulham are trying to lure Leicester and Ghana midfielder Daniel Amarty. I don't know why, Leic- why Fulham would want another midfielder. They've got loads of them. Loads of them. They need a goal scorer. They need a wide player. And they need at least one, if not two, centre backs. And they are trying to sign Marlon from uh, Sosuelo. But they need one more after him and a striker and a wide player. They don't need another centre midfielder. Definitely do not need another centre midfielder. Uh, Crystal Palace manager Roy Hodgson says it will be hard for the club to keep winger Wolf Zaha if a big money bid comes in for the 27-year-old. Where's the bid coming from, though? That's that's my question: is where is that bid coming from? Because unless Everton decide that they want him, but in their four-three-three, he doesn't fit. You don't see him going to Arsenal or I don't see him going to Arsenal anyway. Um, I would have doubts over whether he leaves. I don't think the offer's going to come in. I really don't. And I I think he could be really, really good for them. I think he'd be best to stay. Um, Last one then is that Leeds have made a second offer for Brighton defender Hayden Roberts. If I was Hayden Roberts, I would stay put. I really would stay put. I think he... I think at Brighton, he's he's in a really good position to learn from really good defenders and develop over the next couple of years. Um, so that's it. That is the end of the transfer gossip for today, and that is the end of our show. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to eplindex.com for the platform. Thank you to Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is our presenting sponsor here on the Two-Footed Podcast. Uh, they're a VPN service, so do check out their products at LibertyShield.com. Now that the Premier League blocks are, are kicking into place, uh, so do check that out. Uh, thank you, as always, to Guy Drinkle. Thank you to Fox Haunt, who are the musicians behind our new title music. Um, if you're into hard rock, metal-type music, give them, a, give them a listen. You find them on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, on Twitter, at Fox Haunt Band. A really good bunch of guys, so um, do check that out. And that's it. That is me for today. I will be back tomorrow with Lee Scott, and we will be going through Lee's tactical evaluations from the weekend and having a look at what's coming in the weekend ahead. So until then, take care. Podcast Network.